Hola, and welcome to Spanish Answers, a podcast that gives you unas yabitas claves as you unlock your Spanish language adventure. I'm your host, Sarah, with Language Answers, and have you ever wondered why Spanish has both the letters B and V when they both make the same sound? Well, in today's episode, we'll answer that very question. And then, for our cultural tip, we'll talk about the national holidays of Ecuador. So, let's get started. First off, I would like to once again apologize for how late this episode is. I have not been feeling well this month, and it has definitely affected my ability to produce more podcasts and more blogs, as well as a host of other things in my life. So thank you for uh, your patience as I work through this. I will have an update in the coming weeks about what's going on. Um, don't worry, it's I'm, I'm not dying or anything, but... My health definitely is affecting what I can and cannot do right now. So I am going to try and keep up with my production schedule, but I would like you guys to know that if in the next couple of weeks, or I guess the next, in this following month, if the episodes are not out every other Monday like they normally are, please understand it's just because I'm not feeling well. Um, not because I've stopped and not because I have given up on podcasting or anything like that. I plan as soon as I'm feeling better to get us back on a normal schedule. So please just continue to bear with me. Now for this episode, please note, I'll be using the International Phonetic Alphabet, also known as the IPA, when referring to different phonetic sounds. This alphabet is basically the agreed upon way to write out the different sounds that humans can make as established by the International Phonetic Association. And I'll of course include a link to their complete alphabet as of 2015. Now, as I'm sure you've noticed, many languages have their own writing systems and these writing systems can use similar symbols but have them represent completely different sounds. Like English's J, which makes a J sound or an IPA, it's represented by a D and what looks like a really weird Z with a loop. Anyways, that's the J sound. But in Spanish, the J or J makes a H sound, which is represented in IPA with an X, a lowercase X. Now, this sound is made with the back of your tongue almost resting against the top very back part of your mouth. Or how in English, different phonetic symbols can still make different sounds, like how the letter C can make a ch sound represented by a T with a, it almost looks like an old fashioned S. It's like this really long swooping F, but without the line in it. Uh, C can also make a k sound, right? Where you have a lowercase K and then a small H right above it, or I guess to the side of it. Anyways, that H represents that you've got a lot of aspiration coming out sound, so it's k. C can also make a non-aspirated K, right? A k, k sound, and that's also represented by a lowercase k, but without the H. Or it can make a s sound, like an S, which is represented in IPA with a lowercase s. Now, these different sounds can all be represented by the letter C in English. It just depends on the word and the surrounding letters. So, for example, you, the C can make a ch sound in the word choice. It can make a k, k sound in the word come. It can make a k sound like back. And it can make a s sound in vice. 
Hence, the IPA really allows us to talk about the actual sounds being produced without getting bogged down by the more subjective letter symbols. It's really cool. And for language lovers, it's an invaluable tool. But nevertheless, to turn to today's topic, in modern day Spanish, both B and V have the same pronunciation, ba, which is represented by a lowercase b, ba. So to differentiate which letter you need to use when spelling, they call them different names. You can call B, B larga, B alta, or B grande. And the V, you can call by its official name, V, or B baja, B corta, or B chica. So let's talk about the history of these letters because you really have to understand the history in order to know why they still exist in Spanish. We got to go way far back, though. So back before the Romance languages split off into what they are now, i.e. French, Spanish, Italian, Portuguese, Catalan, and Romanian, to name a few, they were actually all one language, Latin. Around the 5th to 9th centuries AD, they evolved as dialects across the regions the Romans conquered into individual languages. But their common origin is why it can be easier to learn a second Romance language after learning your first. Anyway, Latin had B and V, and they originally had two unique sounds, B with the lowercase B and W with the lowercase W, just like our English W sound, W. So in Latin, the B in amabat, A-M-A-B-A-T, is pronounced as B, and the Vs in wiwere are pronounced as W. So there's two Vs in wiwere, and they both sound like W. Now, over time, as early as the first century AD, the Latin V, or ube, was beginning to change. Based on how people would confuse the letters in ancient texts, linguists know that V, ube, was beginning to change from W to V, a sound similar to lowercase b, B, except that your lips don't actually close all the way. And this sound is represented by the Greek letter beta. Now, this same change occurred for B, but only if it was in between two vowels. So, amabat became amavat, and wiwere became wiwere. This process is called beticism. And I apologize if I'm getting the sounds wrong. I am not a professional linguist by any means. But what beticism is, is it's just the linguistic term for how sounds become or get close to b. That's the sound b. Now, Spanish has a unique evolution. For a lot of Romance languages, this beticism, this evolution, continued so that B and V, if pronounced as V, that beta sound, meaning all Vs, and those select Bs that were in between vowels, became V, that V sound, represented in IPA by a lowercase V. So in Italian, for example, wiwere became vivere, and amabat became amava, but not so in Spanish. They continued to use v, the beta, v, for words that had v's and b's in between vowels, like modern-day lovo or lavar, but b, that lowercase b, b, for other b words from Latin, like barba, barba. This was the situation with medieval castellano. But there's one other change you need to know about. During this time, the Latin P also changed in Spanish. 
If it was in between two vowels, it also now was pronounced as a lowercase b, b. Hence, the Latin caput became cabo. And looking at this time's poetry, more specifically the rhyming that the poets used, it becomes evident that by the end of Spain's golden age, or the Siglo de Oro, which is the 16th, 17th centuries AD, also really fascinating time period of Spain, highly recommend that you study it, Spanish no longer distinguished between B and V. Hence the joke attributed to Julius Caesar, but probably actually from Julio Cesar Escaligero. Uh, I don't know if I pronounced that right, because he's an Italian who lived during the 25th to 26th centuries AD. And again, I really apologize if I butchered this. I don't speak Latin, obviously, as you'll see by this pronunciation. But the joke goes, Beati Hispani, Kibas vivere, vivere est. And in Spanish, which this lovely translation comes from del Castellano, is afortunados los hispanos para quienes beber es vivir and if you want my translation it's basically lucky hispanics for whom to drink is to live so do you see the joke it's basically a mockery of how spanish speakers would pronounce vivere and vivere the same way so in medieval spain it would be vivere vivere get, get it get it yeah i know it's hilarious isn't it Anyways, since B and V are no longer distinguishable, why didn't they just get rid of one of the letters and have only one symbol for the B sound, B? Basically, because the RAE decided that spelling would be based on etymology, or the word's origins, rather than simplifying the language. Kind of similar to how Noah Webster really wanted to simplify English, but Americans only accepted some of his suggestions and ignored the rest. And if you want to hear more about that, please check out my other podcast, Respuestas Inglesas, episode 73. I was also not feeling very well that day, so it is completely in English. <laughs> and so that's basically why Spanish in modern times has two letters for the same sound. Crystal clear? So in general, a word in modern Spanish will be spelled with a V if the original Latin had a V. And if the original Latin had a B or a P, but now has a B sound, then it is spelled with a B, or B grande. But wait, one last thing. Sometimes, even nowadays, a B or a V is pronounced like the beta sound, V, when it is in between two vowels. For example, vocabulario, lobo, lavar, amava. And in some Spanish-speaking areas, they may even pronounce this special case as V, that lowercase v. So while this episode won't be diving into all the nitty-gritty as to which words use the beta, v, and which use b, lowercase b, a general rule is that you use the hard b sound when b or v starts a word or comes after an m or an n. And if they come in between vowels, then they're pronounced as the beta v. So today's cultural tip highlights the national holidays of Ecuador. To save on time and to avoid extreme repetitiveness, here's a quick list of holidays that many other countries also celebrate and or which we have covered in other episodes. So I won't get into too much detail for these ones. New Year's Day, obviously January 1st. Good Friday. This year it was on April 15th, as it's always the Friday before Easter. 
Easter Day, which was April 17th this year. Labor Day, which is always May 1st, although it is May 2nd this year since the 1st is on a Sunday. And then Christmas Day, which is December 25th, although they will have the following Monday, the 26th off, since Christmas is on a Sunday this year. Now let's talk about their unique national holidays. I found several holidays that are unique to Ecuador, but we'll start with Carnival Monday and Tuesday. True, several Latin American and Caribbean countries celebrate Carnival, which happens before Ash Wednesday, but I don't think we've talked about them yet on this podcast. So now's a good time. So the first unique holidays are Carnival Monday and Tuesday, which this year are February 28th and March 1st. Carnival is a festive time where people celebrate and enjoy themselves before Lent begins. Lent starts on Ash Wednesday and lasts for the 40 days before Easter. Now, different denominations celebrate Lent differently, but overall, this is a somber time of reflection and some type of fasting in honor of the time Jesus fasted 40 days in the desert. Carnival is unique in that it is a fusion of European religious traditions with the African festival customs, brought to the Americas by the African slaves, creating the bright, colorful, and celebratory parades we see today. Now, the second holiday is the Battle of Pichincha Day, or Batalla del Pichincha, which always happens on May 24th. During the 19th century, when Latin America was fighting for its independence from Spain, Ecuador won a decisive battle on May 24th, 1822 on the slopes of Pichincha Volcano, that's right, Volcano, next to Quito City. The Patriot Army's victory over the Royalists and their ensuing surrender in Quito allowed Simón Bolívar to add the province of Quito to the Republic of Colombia. This day is when the rest of Ecuador gained its independence from Spain. The third holiday is Simón Bolívar Day, or Natalicio de Simón Bolívar, and it's always on July 24th. Technically, this is not a national holiday in Ecuador, but in Venezuela. Still, it's an important day that Ecuadorians celebrate, as this day celebrates the famous Venezuelan's birthday, Simón Bolívar. He was key to Venezuela, Bolivia, Peru, Colombia, and Ecuador gaining their independence. Born in Caracas, Venezuela, on July 24th, 1783, his full name is ridiculously long. Simón José Antonio de la Santísima Trinidad Bolívar y Palacios. Thank goodness we can just call him Simón Bolívar. Now, militarily, he was a great leader and was known as El Libertador, or the Liberator. In fact, Bolivia is named after him, and he became the first president of the original Republic of Colombia on December 17th, 1819. Number four is Independence Day, or Dia del Primer Grito de Independencia de Quito, which is celebrated always on August 10th. Quito was, under Spanish colonial rule, an administrative region and was the first place in Latin America to declare their independence on August 10th, 1809. Because of its primary role in establishing an independent and local government, Quito is also called the Light of America, or Luz de América. Unfortunately, the Spanish quashed this rebellion in 24 days. Nevertheless, it played a pivotal part in Latin America's struggle for freedom. So in Quito, to celebrate, they have festivals, parades, and concerts, although across Ecuador, other places will celebrate with fairs, military parades, and other celebratory events as well. Number five is Independence of Guayaquil, which is always celebrated on October 9th, or the closest weekday if it falls on a weekend. Ecuador's largest city and a coastal port town... 
Guayaquil was the first city to gain its independence on October 9th, 1820, about 11 years after the rebellion in Quito. Number six, All Souls Day, which is always held on November 2nd. While certainly not unique to Ecuador, I don't think we've talked all that much about All Souls Day, just All Saints Day. All Souls Day comes after All Saints Day and is a time to remember the dead. In Catholic tradition, this day became popular by French monks in 998 AD as a day to pray for those who are in purgatory to ease their suffering. Full disclosure, I do not believe purgatory exists. Number seven, Independence of Cuenca, which is always celebrated on November 3rd. Yes, that's right. Ecuador has four, four national holidays related to their fight for independence. Cuenca is located in the southern highlands of Ecuador and declared its independence on November 3rd, 1820. This important economic city is Ecuador's third largest city and is the capital city of Azue province. Finally, number eight is the founding of Quito Day, or Fundación de Quito, which is celebrated always on December 6th. Technically, this is a regional holiday rather than a national one, but it celebrates Quito's founding on December 6th, 1534, by 204 Spanish settlers. As the settlement grew, it became an official city in 1541 and a Spanish administrative region, as well as part of the Viceroyalty of Peru, in 1563. Quitenos, or Quito citizens, celebrate during the 10 days prior to December 6th, but with the focus on December 5th and 6th. And that's all for today. Thank you so much for listening. And please don't forget to check out the show notes for links to the resources used for this episode. I especially want to give a big shout out to Del Castellano and Lingoriosa, who, whose research on this particular topic I found invaluable in creating this episode. So thank you to both of them for all the work they did, as well as to everyone else who provided resources and research as well. But if you would prefer to read an approximate transcription of today's episode, you can also visit the episode's blog. I would love to help you on your Spanish journey. So if you have any questions about today's episode, or even just on Spanish culture or grammar, you can reach me at contact at languageanswers.com or visit my website for more information at languageanswers.com. I can also be contacted regarding my services for Spanish to English translation, English technical writing, editing, and content creation, or even language consultations and tutoring for you or your business. Remember, learning a language is a lifelong journey. So please, aprovechalo, disfrútalo, y compártelo. I will hopefully see you in less than two weeks. Hasta luego! Hasta luego!